Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. The Action Network Podcast, named Best Betting Podcast or Radio Show by the Fantasy Sports and Gaming Association, and the number one show for the invested sports fan. All right, here we go. From the 10, throwing end zone. Spectacular catch. They're saying it's a catch. Touchdown. You see, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh, my God. That's incredible. Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to bet? <laughs> and we are underway. It's money time. Welcome to another episode of the award-winning Action Network podcast. I am your host, Chris Raybon, and I'm joined by the Prime Minister of Degenerate Nation, my guy Stucky. And we are back this week to preview the NFC. If you missed last week's episode, we went through each team in the AFC. We drafted our six favorite win total bets, so be sure to check that out on the Action Network podcast channel. And before we get into it, just a reminder also to download the award-winning free Action Network app for real-time odds, box scores, and the capability to track every bet that you make, as well as Follow experts like Stuck and I and laugh at us when we lose money. Uh, and also, one thing I wanted to remind you guys about that we talked about last week was that you can win a free Action Network hat by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, along with your suggestion of what the new team name should be for the Washington franchise. And we're aware that many people – non-iPhone people don't have access to iTunes or Apple Podcasts, but do love the show and want to win some merch, you are still eligible. Just call our Bad Beats hotline instead at 575-655-0664. Again, that is 575-655-0664. Tell us you're entering the contest. Tell us what you think the Washington franchise's team name should be. Do it in 60 seconds or less. And you can win a free Action Network hat. We will have uh, more NFL betting episodes all off-season long and then our weekly episode during the season where we both hit 60% uh, plus of our bets last year. So should be some good stuff. Also, Peter Jennings, Jason Sobel with the PGA Tour every Tuesday on the podcast channel. And Matthew Friedman, Sean Corner, and I do our NFL Fantasy Flex episodes Every week leading up to drafts, we already have some fire out, including AFC and NFC projection 
episodes and a must-listen quarterback episode uh, featuring Evan Silva. Check it out. But to the main event, it may not be a Sunday, but we're going to do our six-pack, which is where we each draft our three uh, favorite bets. We're going to do it for NFC win totals. So let's get into it. Thirsty for action? Let's crack open the Sunday six-pack. All right, Stuck. So I'm going to go number one here with our NFC win totals. Again, for everyone out there, what we do is we take turns drafting our favorite win total bets. It's going to be an under party. But before we get into everything, you know, the thing that everyone's worrying about, thinking about is, are, you know, are these sports going to happen? So obviously it's an NFL podcast. There was some like rumblings the last couple of days that made me a little bit more nervous about the NFL, but it looks like some positive news with the NFL and NFL Players Association today. And it looks like there's going to be no preseason games. Any updated thoughts and or, you know, where you stand for pessimism, optimism with the season? Uh, I put the odds around 90% of a season happening. Uh, I still put it close to that now just because I think we have the date of players reporting and that's July 28th. So that's something I think was very important. There can't be football if guys aren't going to get back on the field and and practice at all. The fact that there's going to be no preseason games and that the NFL is willing to put that on the table means things are starting to ramp up in terms of, okay, we'll give you the players what you want. Let's just get the season started and let's get it started on time. You have about a 90% plus chance that the season starts, uh, that the season goes uh, according to plan. The reason I leave that 10% up in the air is just because as this year has taught us, unforeseen things do occur and do happen. How about you? Yeah, I I completely agree with everything you said. And uh, I think the testing protocols agreeing to that is a huge step. And the no preseason, I noticed a lot of some some really sharp fantasy people are upset about no preseason. I am not one of those very sharp fans people, so I don't care about missing preseason. It's all about how that's going to impact the season, but I don't really bet preseason. So if we have to sacrifice preseason, I'm fine with it. You're missing out, dude. Yo, betting the preseason. Well, I just bet the I should have bet the Ravens. The Ravens every every. Yeah, it's the Ravens. That's what I was about to say. Like you're missing out on betting pretty much an automatic cover for your Baltimore Ravens. It's something like two out of every three games, I believe it is, under Harbaugh that they cover in the preseason. I'm willing to sacrifice it is all I'm saying. And let's, uh, let's move on to the NFC. What do you got for your first pick? I'm going with the Falcons. Me and my guy, Matthew Friedman, who do the show on Sirius XM uh, Saturday and Sundays, and obviously the, the fantasy pod, we kind of have a, a philosophy that we go by, and it's when in doubt, bet against Dan Quinn. Do you have any idea how disrespectful that is? It's a good way to start off this NFC podcast. The Atlanta Falcons, first of all, their win total is seven and a half. It's slightly juiced up to the under at minus 121 at DraftKings Sportsbook. And I'm still willing to take that because, first of all, the Falcons have gone seven and nine the last two seasons. When I look up and down this roster, I don't see a team that's gotten better. I think one of the things coming into the draft that was widely thought about the Falcons was that they needed to trade up into that top five or, or top eight to get a uh, top-tier defensive difference maker early on. I don't think they quite did that, um, you know, in staying put. They probably honestly should have took CeeDee Lamb, given, you know, who was on the board at the time. But nevertheless, the Falcons, I don't think, got better in the offseason. I think that their 6-2 and post-buy saving of Dan Quinn's job was mostly a fluke. They did have an impressive win against the New Orleans Saints. I will hand them that. 
uh, 26 to nine, but they won a trap game for the 49ers on a, on a lucky last minute play uh, where, uh, you know, I, I think I forget if both of us were on. I know I was on the, the Falcons in that game as huge underdogs. Uh, if you listen to the podcast, hopefully uh, you got on that. But, you know, that was one you could see coming from a mile away. They beat the, the quitting Jacksonville Jaguars and they trampled Carolina by 20 plus points twice. And then they got a Jameis Winston overtime gift pick six. So none of those wins really stand up except New Orleans, in my opinion. Uh, so I don't think that that's necessarily a sign of things to come. I think sometimes we can tend to connect to things that are not necessarily related. Uh, so the Falcons started off really poorly. Then they go six and two post by, they did make some kind of coaching adjustments. Uh, it, there was a bye week People may think, okay, they got it turned around. This team is going to improve, but I think their seven and nine records over the last couple of years speak for themselves. And I think the fact that, you now have a much better Tampa Bay team with Tom Brady, who's highly unlikely to gift you a win with a pick six, throws about a third as many interceptions as Jameis Winston. Uh, I don't see it for the Falcons to get to eight and eight this year yet again. I think they're going to have their third straight losing season. Yeah, I can't disagree with you. I personally make it 7.3, so not enough value for me to play the under, but I would lean that side. You know, you mentioned the defensive improvement in the second half of the year. That's when the play calling duties shifted. So maybe there's something there, but I just don't – I just, there's questions all over this defense to me. I have questions with them getting pressure, with them in the secondary. I mean, just all over on the defense. And, you know, on offense, there's some questions on the offensive line, specifically the right side. I mean, Todd Gurley, I mean, uh, come on. I just, yeah, I think there's way more questions than answers with this team in a tougher division. So, yeah, I think it's uh, under or nothing because I agree with you. I think that this defense, this team overall didn't improve from last year. You pointed out that they did kind of improve after some, some things were shifted around play calling wise, but whatever it was with that defense, it took them half a year to figure it out. Now there's no off season. So there's, there's new players. They're relying on some younger guys. It, it could take another half season to figure out or more with no off season. So that, that's kind of where I am with them. Yeah. You're losing Beasley, Claiborne, Trufant, three of your most important defensive players last year. So yeah, I agree with you there for my first pick. I'm going with the Philadelphia Eagles under nine and a half. You know, speaking of teams that didn't get better, I don't see it with, the Eagles. What really hurts is the injury uh, at right guard. They're one of the best. Brooks is one of the best guards in the NFL, and their offensive line has been a strength for years. Now, I know that Peters comes back, and he's going to slide into guard, you presume, and maybe he can stay healthy. I don't know if, Mar- if Peters is able to stay healthy anymore, uh, but just the offensive line in general, their swing tackle position, which has been so important, gone. A lot of questions there. The Lions, I, I guess they paid Vitae $50 million. But the offensive line, I don't think is as strong. I still have questions about the receiving core. Deshaun Jackson's getting up there in age. He's had injuries. Obviously, he's, he needs to be on the field to stretch the offense. We saw what the offense looked like without him. But Alshon Jeffrey looks done. Um, so I have questions about the offense and then specifically the defense. I know that the defensive line has a lot of talent. They have three of the top five, four, three defensive tackles salary-wise on their roster. So, I mean, you better be good, and they are good against the run. But the defensive ends, they're not as deep as they've been. I have questions about them. Linebacker, what is going on at linebacker with the Eagles? I know they don't value the position, 
And I know 50% of the time last year, Schwartz used one or zero linebackers. And for those that haven't been watching NFL, right, last year the NFL teams used six D-backs more than four D-backs. It shows you the way the league is moving. Six D-backs about 21% of the time, four D-backs about 18% of the time, nickel about uh, 60% of the time. So linebackers are a position that is just not as valuable as it once was, right? You really want these versatile safety slash corners or, you know, a hybrid linebacker that can cover um, against these passing offenses. But I think the Eagles have taken it to the extreme. You know, here's, here's a game. Go, go to your neighbor, a Joe Schmo NFL fan, or even a sharper NFL fan, and say, who are the Eagles linebackers? It's like Nathan Jerry, I think, is going to be calling their plays as a safety in college at uh, Jatavis Brown, a failed Chargers linebacker. And their linebacker core is awful. You keep going up the middle of the defense. You lose Jenkins, just a leader, great against the run, brought all the entangles of the defense. They're going to replace him with Jalen Mills? Like, a, a, the safety position's a mess. Now, where they think that they're going to address a lot of the issues from last year is that corner. But I think Slay is done. Well, PFF had him, what, I think, 90th in corners. And once corners, you'll hear me talk about this a lot in the podcast, hit like 30, it's kind of like a center fielder defense in baseball. They fall off a cliff. It is just really hard to still be what Slay wants to be, a follow, you know, shadow man corner. So I think his, he's falling off a cliff. Don't love that signing. You have Roby Coleman who's been good in the slot. Your other cornerback, Maddox, is basically like another slot. So I don't love the corner group. Don't love the linebackers. Don't love the safeties. There's only so much your D lineman can do. So questions on offense, questions on defense. I know that they play the Giants and Skins four total times, but I don't see it nine and a half. I make it closer to eight and a half. So give me the Eagles under. Yeah, I think that when you see these win totals getting up above really eight and a half, you have to be even more alert for unders than you usually are because uh, to say a team is going to win 10 games, which is what you would be saying by betting the over, uh, that has to be a really, really good team. And while I think the Eagles are above average, I think that this win total is inflated uh, and it's based on some of those flashy signings in the offseason or, or acquisitions, I should say, namely Darius Slay, who you're right, ranked 85 of 115 qualified corners according to Pro Football Focus's grades. Uh, he graded out with just a 56.4 grade and just didn't, didn't look great. And you're completely right. He could be on the downside of his career. The, the Lions were, you know, obviously didn't value him too highly. And not that they are a, a great defense that can afford to, to lose guys like that, but Matt Patricia is a defensive-minded coach. You know, a guy came from the Patriots and um, should have at least some understanding about uh, about what a guy like that's value is and you know it, he wasn't a priority for for them and uh Roby Coleman might be their best cornerback in the slot but I agree because what's going to happen I think is Jim Schwartz he's aggressive they got Darius Slay and whether Slay has fallen off or not Jim Schwartz is going to put him on an island and so yep. that could be problematic knowing your strengths and weaknesses I think that's one of the downfalls that, that tends to sink NFL teams and again this is a team that they may figure it out by week eight or nine but it could be too late and, and yeah I, I think that the Giants got a little bit better I don't think the Redskins got better we'll talk about that in a sec but overall I think this is a, an eight to nine win team they went nine and seven last year I think that's about right would not bet the the over on them either so yeah I'm with you I think the under is the is the only way to go and uh, yeah let's get right into to my second pick because it is going to be the Washington Redskins and I'm going under 
and they're at uh, what are they five? They're under five, but it's you're getting some 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 good juice here. Plus one eighteen at DraftKings Sportsbook. I'll take it. If you look at the Washington Redskins, or I should say the Washington franchise formerly, the Washington known, TBDs. <laughs> yeah, right. The the Washington TBDs, the, the the franchise formerly known as Thou which shall not be named. Uh, they are just headed for a disaster, in my opinion. Because, first of all, you have a team that went 3-13 and 13 last year. Now, by point differential, a.k.a. their Pythagorean win total, they actually played better than that. So usually you look for those teams to improve. But guess what? Their Pythagorean win total was 3.8. So they could improve up to that level of a four-win team, and you still win this bet. And you look at their schedule, and it's hard to come to, to eat five wins because you have Cincinnati and Carolina. Those two games, you say, those are pretty much must-wins. And then you say, okay, well, they play the Giants twice. They lost to the Giants twice last year by a combined score of 65 to 38. They have two of the worst quarterbacks in the league. And, Stuck, I know, you know, I'm sure however you kind of come to your uh, power ratings, some variation of quarterback efficiency is is factored in. And one metric that I like to use is adjusted net yards per pass attempt. It's essentially – yards per attempt that, that, you know, the traditional yards per attempt adjusted for sack yardage, adjusted for touchdowns, and adjusted for interceptions. And Kyle Allen and Dwayne Haskins, who one of those two guys is going to be starting uh, pretty much all the Redskins games this year, those two are the two worst qualifiers in the entire National Football League in that metric. And so you have the two least efficient quarterbacks in the league. You have a, a schedule that Uh, doesn't have many games that you can circle and say this team is definitely going to win it's more like this team has to win this just to get over the win total Uh, and they have some you know tough games I mean they play the AFC North so you got to play Baltimore you have to play Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh you have to play Cleveland in Cleveland Uh, that's that's not easy you have to win that game against Cincinnati Uh, you pretty much have to win a game against Detroit that's in Detroit Uh, and you have to beat Probably a team like the Cardinals, but that's in Arizona. So when I look up and down the schedule besides that, you know, you have Dallas, you have San Francisco, Seattle, the Eagles a couple of times, you know, the Rams. I don't know how this team gets to even five wins with the least efficient quarterbacks in the NFL, with turmoil amid the franchise. They don't even have a name. They have no identity. They have a new head coach. Ron Rivera has been pretty successful throughout his career but he couldn't do it with the Panthers last year a team with a a similar lack of talent and so I'm betting the Redskins to get to go under five wins at the plus money juice yeah I don't disagree with you but by the way that there's not there hasn't been a back-to-back winner in the NFC East in 15 years um, which I thought was pretty crazy and the one thing I will say about the Eagles, they're the only team that didn't have coaching changes in the entire division. Um, you know, they had some offensive coach shakeups, but as far as coordinators and head coaches go, a lot of turnover in the NFC East. The Redskins, again, new OC, new DC, new head coach. They're going to go to a new scheme on defense, a 4-3 front. That's the best thing I could say about the Redskins. Their four-man front could be scary. There's a ton of talent. I mean, you have Payne, Allen, Kerrigan, uh, and now Chase Young. But then, you know, Ron Rivera signing Thomas Davis. Thomas Davis is, what, 54 years old to play Will Linebacker. You have John Bostick. I, I mean, I have questions with their secondary. And then on the offensive side, what you really hope is that Dwayne Haskins, because uh, you hope it's not Kyle Allen, takes an enormous leap in, you know, this year. What's going to hurt that? Lack of offseason prep. No, this like a quarterback that struggled 
coming into like his second, maybe third year, that's really when you went the preseason, when you want a full off season for your offense, right? Like Dwayne Haskins could really benefit from a non-COVID summer. So that's going to hurt them. The weapons outside of McLaurin, I don't see them. They're not weapons. So, They're not weapons. Yeah, I mean, you ha- you, what, is the, what are they going to hope? Like Ga- my man Gandy Golden from Liberty has to come in and be a stud. Liberty, Liberty, Liberty. So, you know, the left side of the offensive line, major questions. So, yeah, I had – they just missed the cut for me. Like if we went four – I probably would have taken the Redskins. I've, I'm their win total is five and a half. I make it four point nine. So I completely agree with you. I think Tress Way is back at punter. I used to say that was the good thing about the Redskins all last year is their punting. That's never good when you're just saying that the punting is good. But the punting should be good again. So I can't disagree with you there. I think you summed it up when you first started talking about their defense, and you said they have pain. That, that's pretty much what they have. They have pain, <laughs> like literal pain. <laughs> that's about it for the Redskins. Let me stop calling them the Redskins. We gotta get out of the house. Like first we got the Chargers and we the LA and the San Diego thing. Now we gotta remember now Vegas. Yeah, it's like there's too much. Come on, Washington, get get a new team name. Do it quick because I'm gonna keep messing up here. But uh, let's keep it going, Stuck. Who you got for your second pick? All right, for my second pick, we said this is an under party. We've had three under so far, so I'm going with my fourth under here, and I'm going with the aforementioned Carolina Panthers under five and a half. I project this right at four and a half. New head coach, new scheme. I mean, this is this is a defense that was just so bad this year. They're moving back to a 4-3. So basically what happened last year is they moved to a 3-4, which did help with their pass rush. They were top five adjusted sack rate. So they were able to get pressure. That's one of the reasons they wanted to move to a 3-4. But the linebackers were lost. They had nothing at the middle, you could just run at will against the Panthers. So they're moving back to a 4-3, which I think could help a little bit against the run. Uh, you know, you're going to have Haywan short back. You drafted Derek Brown. I still don't love the edge. I don't love their secondary. But everything is different. You have Matt Rule coming in here. You're going to have a completely new scheme on defense. And on the offensive side of the ball, you're bringing in a new quarterback. These are all the things I'm looking to fade this year. With COVID, lack of prep, lack of preseason games, new head coach, new coaching staff, new quarterback, new defensive scheme, all of this is what the Panthers are having to deal with. So there's not much I really like about this team. Uh, And, you know, it's a quarterback-driven league. If you believe in Teddy Bridgewater, you know, as a starting quarterback that can make up for a lot of deficiencies in many areas throughout the team, then maybe you like the Panthers. I personally don't. Teddy Bridgewater is a very good backup, in my opinion. Now, look, the guy, all he does is cover, but he doesn't make mistakes. He's not going to go down the field a lot. Um, I mean, just look at his average target length. But he's not going to lose you games. But he's also not going to really win you games, and that's what I think the Panthers would need with this roster this year. So, uh, you know, I just don't see it. I mean, there's questions on the offensive line as well. This is a transition year for Carolina. You get Joe Brady in, coming in, trying to – rework this offense I just don't think Teddy Bridgewater is the quarterback for it rework the defense new head coach new culture change so I think there's going to be a lot of growing pains maybe they start to figure stuff out at the end of the year but I'll keep hammering this point home teams that I believe are going to struggle early on are going to struggle longer into the season than normal right so a lot of times with a preseason with normal preparation you might still struggle early in the year, but you've been working out some of the kinks in preseason and during the season. Well, now you're going to have those struggles that communication, defensive scheme changes, 
all those issues are going to last longer into the year. So uh, there's not much I like uh, about this Panthers team transition year. I think that the coaching could be a positive in the long run. We'll see. Uh, hard to evaluate the, the transition from college to the NFL, but give me the under on the Panthers. If I'm a listener out there, I would be paying, I would be paying attention to their weekly point spreads because this is a bad team. This is a team that, you know, as Stucky, you point out, probably is going to win four to five games and, and not many more. However, on a week-to-week basis, because they are one of the weaker teams in the league, I think their point spreads are going to have some value. And as you mentioned, Teddy Bridgewater, all he does is cover. Now, granted, the situations have been different in Minnesota and then in New Orleans, but for his career, Teddy Bridgewater is 28-7 and against the spread. As a starter, that is absurd. That is ridiculous. That, that means that not only do we, are we probably going to underestimate the Panthers just because they're a terrible team and the lines tend to get inflated when you have those kind of teams, but Teddy Bridgewater has consistently been underestimated. So I think there will be value from week to week betting on the Panthers to cover. But yeah, ultimately, I don't think they're going to win many games. I just think they will. Uh, I think they'll be a profitable bet. I think we'll be sitting here during the season uh, talking about the Panthers a lot on our Sunday six packs. Yep. I agree. One other thing I'll bring up is this is hard to project, but it could only work in your favor for unders, just like it, you know, injuries to quarterbacks can this year in particular with the expanded playoff, right? You're going to have an additional team to get in the playoff, a seventh team, maybe a seven and nine team, more likely eight and eight, nine and seven. But what that means to me is potentially you have more teams still alive at the end of the year which means that a team, teams at the bottom of the barrel might not get to pick up as many cheap wins as normal. But you're, you're going to have a lot more teams still thinking that, all right, we're mathematically alive. That could hurt the teams at the bottom of the barrel. Just wanted to throw that out there. Where, where are you going for your third pick? For my third pick, I am going to Detroit. And I am going to bet on the Lions to win fewer than six and a half games. Uh, I think they are – Yet again, uh, a six-ish and under-win team. I think they're one of the poorer teams in the league. And a lot of people will say, okay, last year they were solid with Matthew Stafford. But if you look at Matt Patricia in his two years, he's 9-14-1 with Stafford as the starter. That's still a 396 win percentage. That still equates to about 6.3 wins. So closer to six than to seven. So I'm not, I'm not feeling Detroit this year. I think this is another team. And uh, one of the trends I like for unders is, you know, beyond kind of going, looking at the top and taking the teams with the double digit uh, win totals and just betting under. But another trend I like is I think the teams tend to get, that tend to get inflated are the ones with solid quarterbacks and bad defenses. Because as football fans, analysts, we tend to think about offense first and we look at a team with Matt Ryan in Atlanta or a team with Matthew Stafford in Detroit, and we say they can only be so bad. But in reality, I think Detroit, this is another defense that just doesn't have quite enough. Long term, I think getting Jeffrey Okuda, you know, in the top five at cornerback out of Ohio State was a positive and will probably be an upgrade on Darius Slay sooner than later because Slay was starting to fall off. But still not an ideal situation to have uh, a defense that is not – extremely talented and that has some young pieces that they're going to have to rely on. And um, another thing I want to point out just more generally is that a lot of people, especially in fantasy, but I think more generally just in terms of NFL analysis, 
are saying, hey, this lack of offseason is going to hurt the offenses. But I actually think it's going to hurt the defenses even more because the one thing about offense is you still have an advantage in the fact that you're an offense. You're on the offensive. Defenses have to react. And there are going to be certain uh, players that you just can't defend whether they had a lot of practice time or not. Like guys that are just fast, you're not going to be able to defend. You could have simple concepts on offense that an unprepared defense is not going to be ready for. A, 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 a defense with a lack of talent is not going to be ready for. And so kind of the same the, the, a theme with uh, Atlanta and, and Detroit, two of the weaker defenses in the entire league, I don't think that their quarterback play is going to be able to make up for it. And Detroit with Matt Patricia hasn't figured it out yet, even with Stafford in the lineup. I don't think DeAndre Swift is going to necessarily help the bottom line for Detroit in terms of, you know, a running back is not one of the things that usually impacts a team's chances of winning or losing a great deal. Uh, You know, so uh, Detroit, by the way, has been the worst team in the league over the last, since Barry Sanders retired in pretty much every rushing metric imaginable. And you know why? If you look at what, what Detroit's defense has been pretty much every year since Barry Sanders retired, they've always had one of the worst defenses, save for a year here or there. So uh, I think the defense is still going to be a problem. And I think this is a six-win team in a division where you have three teams that I think are in a whole different tier than Detroit. You have Minnesota, Green Bay, and Chicago. I think those teams are duking it out. None of those teams are exceptional, but they're all solid teams that have uh, better defenses than Detroit. And, you know, at least on offense can, can compete uh, with Detroit if they're not better on offense as well. So I think it's a situation where Detroit can possibly go as bad as 1-5 or 0-6 in, in the division and uh, just don't see them as, as, as clear favorites in many games uh, outside of that either. By the way, you, this is your third pick. I'm shocked that you didn't have the Cardinals over. I don't do over. I hardly ever do over. That's, that's fair. <laughs> that's fair. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting question with what is the lack of preseason, lack of preparation, who is it going to favor? Uh, you know, I tend to agree with you with receivers in that you can still work on your timing with a quarterback in without preseason games, right? You get your route tree down. You get your, t- you, you know, your play calling. Where it could hurt, and I talked about this a lot, is rookie quarterbacks and just not being able to read different NFL defenses, right? Just they don't, the speed isn't there. Like that's what preseason helps with the rookie quarterback. Also, offensive line chemistry, continuity. That's where I think it really. If you have a, a lot of new starters on an offensive line it, and, and a rookie quarterback, that's where I think the lack of prep hurts. I agree with you. I think that people are just assuming that it only hurts the offense. It's definitely way more nuanced than that. So it's like, what happens, let's say, how does that lack of preparation manifest? For a quarterback or an O-line, it's probably a sack or a 10-yard penalty, right? Something like that. You play another down. How does the lack of preparation manifest itself on defense? A coverage bust. What does that lead to? A 75-yard touchdown. So there's just more downside with lack of preparation on defense, you know, acknowledging the fact that both sides are going to hurt. They're just less of a margin for error. And even the tackling, I think the tackling on defense, you know, you're not in there, you're not in pads all summer. Now you had to go out and hit people. Like it's going to, it's going to be a struggle. Um, and I, I just think people aren't acknowledging that, but, but yeah. Yeah. The one thing I will say is if you have a newer quarterback and they struggle early, what happens is you'd start to lose your confidence. You second guess yourself. That's what you really want to look out for as well. That's where I, I want to really watch for, because it's not as much, I know my receiver is going to go here or here based on the safety. But if you're not reading that, all right, this guy's dropping back in his zone, this is more man, and, and the, you start seeing ghosts, 
then that's where it's trouble. But yeah, I completely agree with you. Yeah, there's Lines... no hope for Sam Darnold anyway. It, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. I was like, yeah, Sam Darnold is not getting better this year. <laughs> um, yeah, if you missed the first episode, Jets under. Um, <laughs> you know, the argument for the Lions, and you'll hear this a lot, is they were 0-8 without Stafford, and they were 3-4-1 and with him, and they could have been like 6-2. and They lost a fluke game to the Chiefs, fluke game to the Packers. But I don't see this team – I think this team – could potentially be better on defense in the future, but I don't think overall they got better. Still questions about the right side of the offensive line, the Vitae signing. I, I, I don't get it. But, you know, the defensive line, they still don't get pressure. They lose, what, Snacks Harrison, Ashawn Robinson, linebackers, a lot to be desired. And we'll find out. They're, you know, it's, this is, they signed a lot of Patriots in the offseason. I mean, they're going to be a man-heavy team under Patricia. You know, if Trufant and Okuda can come in and just be locked down man corners, their defense could be a lot better. I don't know if that's going to happen right away with Okuda. And I, I don't see the consistency yet with Trufant. So, yeah, the, the one thing – and I make the 7.0000, which is where it is, so I don't see any value either way, which, which the tough part about for, for me is I don't know if, who I believe in in this division. It's like if any one of these teams locks out at 4-2 and two or 5-1 and one in the division, would it shock me? No. So that's, that's what would keep me off the lines. But I, I can't disagree with you ever going with an under. All right, so for my third and final pick, I'm going with the Los Angeles. Are they still the Los Angeles Rams? Or is it St. Louis? Is it Vegas? Is it Washington? Yeah, I mean, no one's going to have fans this year, so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> yeah, I mean, don't say, I don't know if the Rams have fans anyway. So, But, look, I, I'm, I'm taking the Rams under. I have this number. So it's under 8.5. I make this 7.6. If you listened to the podcast last year, I mean, you know that I hate golf. I mean, the one good thing is maybe golf, there's no fans. So Sean McVay just tells him exactly what to do every play of the entire season. That helps him. I didn't even think of that, but maybe. But I hate their offensive line. They're, this team is so cash-strapped, too, and that's because of, like, the golf signing. I mean, how, you knew that McVay was like, just telling him how to, what to do. Like, I could have came in a mid-quarterback, and, and, I mean, they just ruined their team because of this. You know, three new coordinators, a lot of changes across the board. Not great in this season. Hate the offensive line with all of my heart. I mean, the offensive line is just dreadful. They bring everyone back, but, I mean, Whitworth is, what, 50 years old? He's falling off a cliff. I don't know what happened. I haven't seen on the right side. Interior offensive line is a disaster. Why is this so important? Because you have Jared Goff as your quarterback. You don't have – you know, offensive line is obviously important, but it's less important when you have – and this is why you have to look at sack numbers with a grain of salt. But when you have I mean, pressure numbers, Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, Deshaun Watson, you can compensate for some weaknesses in the offensive line. Jared Goff is, you know, statuesque, and it takes him so long to get rid of the ball. And if you just look at his numbers when he's under pressure, they're hard. The offensive line didn't improve. I mean, last year they're – their pass block win rate went from 75% to 56% last year. Defense, they lose, what, their, their two best sack players, their leading tackle the last two years. They're basically replacing their, their five most heavily used players last year. I shouldn't say best. They have that man in the middle in Aaron Donald. But, you know, Littleton, Roby Coleman, Clay, uh, Clay Matthews, Fowler, Weddle. So they're all gone. New defensive coordinator in, heavy, deep, heavy defensive back guy. So you're going to see a lot of three safety looks. I don't necessarily buy their safeties. They're going to maybe move Troy Hill to, to slot. I don't necessarily see that working out. So questions all over the defense. Obviously, you have Aaron Donald. Brockers came back. That's great. But where else? on uh, The defense will be okay. I was the 10th best across the NFL last year. I still think it's now going to be like a middle of the pack. 
uh, with Aaron Donald still probably dominating, but hate golf, hate the offensive line, tons of coaching changes. And uh, the schedule isn't easy, but um, I just, there's a lot that's going to go wrong with this team. And it all starts with golf and the contract to golf. Wade Phillips is gone too, right? Uh, from defensive yep. court. Yeah, that's, yeah, I mean, that's Staley, big for me. That's big for me. Wade Phillips, you know, if you've read my breakdowns uh, week to week in, in our Action Network betting guides, anytime we're talking about the Rams, I almost always bring up Wade Phillips because I think he really is a, one of the best defensive coordinators in the league. So he moves on. It scares me. I think of all the bets you chose, I think this one scares me or really is the only one that scares me because I think the Rams had a pretty bad season last year. They couldn't figure out San Francisco, which to exactly your point, they couldn't handle pressure, but they still went nine and seven and they're 33 and 15 in Sean McVay's three years as head coach. They've never won fewer than nine games. So teams like that, it just kind of scares me. It's kind of like Seattle, where every year their win total hovers, usually like eight and a half, nine, you know, whatever. And it's like, this team never wins fewer than nine games with Russell Wilson. Realistically, you project the Rams for, for about eight-ish wins. Because, and would you say you had them at 7.6. That's realistically from the numbers. They're in a tough division. I think Arizona got better. San Francisco is still good. Seattle is good just because of Russell Wilson. They'll always be, I think, on the plus side in terms of, um, you know, how you're rating them. But it, it does scare me a little to bet against a team that has won nine or more games in every year with their head coach. I think the plan seems to be to just mitigate this lack of offensive line with entirely focused passing game on the short and intermediate areas. I think that's why you saw Higby go crazy over the last five weeks and Brandon Cooks got phased out even like it wasn't just injuries Brandon Cooks was pretty much phased out of that offense I think that's because you also can, didn't have any time to get it to him yeah that's what I mean they can't get the ball downfield so Van Jefferson th- that that pick because I think that the fact that they went with two skill players in the second round was a head scratcher to, to me and a lot of people and the more I thought about it the Van Jefferson pick, the wide receiver out of Florida, that pick is probably a little more indicative, a spot where they could have gone O-line or, or done something to address the O-line. And they go with a wide receiver. They already have Josh Reynolds, but Jefferson is a, a great route runner, guy in a short to intermediate area. That combined with Higby's emergence and, and kind of drafting Cam Akers, Gurley was terrible in the pass game last year. Um, I think Akers will be better. It just tells me that they're going to try to mitigate the O-line with a super quick hitting passing attack. Uh, we know they could do it with Cup and, and Woods. It remains to be seen if it can be effective for the entire season. It remains to be seen if they can, um, you know, it could be effective against San Francisco. But I think that's going to decide it. If they can't, if they go 0-2 against San Francisco again, if they can't figure out how to beat the Niners, it's going to be tough for them to get to, to nine wins because the division is pretty good. Um, but, yeah. I, yeah, I, but, but the, one, the one thing I'll say about Cooks, though, is – that he was getting phased out of the offense because they didn't have time. But how much – and I, maybe I want to go back and look at, look at some, some of the Rams games last year for this. How much was he still having an impact on the defense out of just respect, right? So without that threat, is it, does it become a lot easier for a defense to say, fuck it, I don't have to worry about anyone beating me deep. And now you have defenses that know basically what you're going to do so how much does just that threat or presence on the field and not them not having that this year, unless my man Greg Dortch, I think they signed Greg Dortch, comes in <laughs> and wows the NFL. 
the most electrifying player in college football. Guess who? Greg Dortch. Understand, Greg Dortch is the big play guy. Dortch beats the punter. Down the middle, it's Dortch, and he's gone. Touchdown. The magician has done it again. Greg Dortch is something else. Don't forget about Greg Dortch. Oh, Greg. How much does that impact their offense is, is one of the questions that I would ask. Well, I think so. I think it used to have an impact. Like that's because they had the same kind of player in there before this, Sammy Watkins. They've always had that kind of guy. It's, it's a specific role in Sean McVay's system where you're isolated. And yeah, you, your job is to draw coverage. But what ended up happening was exactly what you kind of said. Teams stopped respecting that. And Goff still couldn't get the ball to Cooks even in like single coverage because he didn't have enough time. So it seems like Sean McVay pivoted to you know what, this kind of style of offense with using that, that deep threat to keep the defense honest isn't working for us. We need just another guy that Goff can actually throw to. Because essentially what would happen was Brandon Cooks was like Andre Patton at, at, you know, at points. You know, the guy in the charges that Philip Rivers never threw to last year. Like, yeah. like that's, what, that's what Brandon Cooks ended up being for, for large portions of games. And I think ultimately they just needed as many targets for Goff to, to, to throw to as possible. So now it's like, okay, we have five options on every play to get, to get the ball out to. And, and that's, that's what they're kind of prioritizing over the line, which is kind of a head scratcher. But um, that, that's what I saw with, you know, kind of the, the, the offense late last year with the emergence of Higby and then the drafting of Jefferson. Because if, if I think Van Jefferson, how much is, is he going to be, in terms of sheer talent, different from Josh Reynolds? Probably not much. But he's a different type of guy, a guy, a pro-ready guy who's a route runner. Why would you draft him in a second round when you already have a Josh Reynolds and, and if you weren't kind of changing up the style and philosophy? Uh, that, that's just kind of my, my take on, on the situation. Yeah, maybe the Rams benefit the most from no crowd with McVay talking to – Yeah, that's uh, a great golf. point. Like, but. Yeah, because you remember that uh, – and granted, they won this game flukily, but – that game always comes to mind in, in New Orleans, I think it was, where Goff was just like head on his yep. helmet, couldn't hear anything. He relies yep. on that uh, with Sean McVay. And who knows, maybe, maybe all these Zoom meetings uh, actually are helping Goff too because that's, that's kind of what he needs. He seems like a guy who gets rattled once he goes out on the field and has to put this stuff. Maybe just taking a lot in, calm, relaxed offseason, no defensive players taunting him every time he makes a bad throw on his own team. Maybe, maybe it helps him. But, yeah, I don't know. I, I had an MVP ticket on Goss last year. Oh, man, was that a, uh, was that a waste of money. So. <laughs> yeah, that, uh, that, was a, that was a good discussion there. Uh, that was our Sunday six-pack. Just to recap – uh, I have the Atlanta Falcons under seven and a half, the Redskins under five, and the, the Detroit Lions under six and a half. Stuck went with the Philadelphia Eagles under nine and a half, the Carolina Panthers under five and a half, and the Rams under eight and a half. And uh, that is going to do it for our Sunday six pack. And now it's time for our weekly coaches pep talk. And this one comes to us from John Goodman from the 1984 film Revenge of the Nerds. And Sean McVay, kind of a nerdy guy, in a good way, in a good way. So we're going to dedicate this one to Sean McVay and the Rams. If Sean McVay gets his revenge, then maybe Stucky's bet doesn't hit. But if he doesn't, look out. When you were a baby in your crib, your father looked down at you. He had but one hope. Someday my son will grow to be a man. Well, look at you now. 
you just got your asses whipped by a bunch of goddamn nerds. Nerds! Well, if I was you, I'd do something about it. I would get up and redeem myself in the eyes of my father, my maker, and my coach. Well, let's get those nerds! 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 What are we waiting for? All right, there was our coaches pep talk and now we're going to get into our mailbag segment we're also going to talk about uh some of the teams that uh, we didn't mention in any other segment after that and the best of the rest uh, but before we continue asking you guys our beloved listeners to again head to apple Podcasts and give us a positive review give us a five-star rating and uh, let us know what you think the washington franchise should be renamed and you can win a free action network hat and uh, if you are not an Apple or iPhone user, I should say, you are still eligible to win. All you have to do is call our Bad Beats Hotline, 575-655-0664, and tell us that you're entering the contest. Tell us what you think the Washington franchise should be renamed. Do it in 60 seconds or less, please. No long voicemails. It's not that kind of thing. But uh, you will be eligible to, to win the Action Network hat. So holler at us. Let's get into our mailbag segment, and uh, I want to start this one off. I know a lot of people have been asking you a couple of questions, Stuck. The first one I want to talk about off the top is just to kind of get it out of the way, uh, because some people might be wondering, when you have a win total and you're betting win totals, and there's different juice at times, so maybe there's a minus 120 or a plus 110 instead of the standard minus 110 juice, how do you calculate how much juice a half a win is worth for example, how do you differentiate between, say, uh, an over 7.5 wins at minus 140 versus an over 8 wins at plus 100? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. A lot of people, some people have differing points of view on this. I was going to go into a whole ramble about, and about the math, but I'll, I'll keep it simple. A good rule of thumb, for me at least, others, some say it will be more, is about 50 cents is what a half of win is worth. So over seven and a half minus 140 or over eight plus 100. Well, in that case, I would prefer to lay 140 at seven and a half because I think that a half a win is worth more than the 40 cents. Now, if it's 30 cents, definitely do it. 40 cents, I would personally do it. 50 cents, you might want to choose the lower juice because you're locking up your money. You have to consider that as well. So the amount you have to put out, but generally speaking, it's about 50 cents. The other thing, seven and a half and eight. Now I'm going over seven and a half. I think the number has value. And now I win at eight instead of push. Um, so those are some of the considerations, uh, but about 50 cents in general is how I think about what a win is worth in the NFL. Think about it the same way. If you ever bet a player prop or anything like that, it's like, bet the easier number in general to get over unless the juice is just absolutely ridiculous to you. Because like, like you said, if you're talking about the difference between over seven and a half and over eight is it's not just some juice and, and, and you know, what's the 50 cents. It's like, now you're talking about, I can win at eight versus I have to, I can win at nine. I have to, now the team needs to win at nine. You know, that's a whole nother win that they have to, uh, you know, pull off. So what's the easier way for my bet to hit? It's going to be that seven and a half, even if it is juiced up. And that's the thing. The books are trying to juice these things up to dissuade you from betting the number. A lot of times you're still usually better off taking the juice again, unless it gets 
you know, beyond like a 50 cent difference, as you, as you mentioned. Um, another question stuck that, that I know you've been wanting to talk about a lot. What is going to be the effect of home field advantage quantitatively in terms of the numbers or, you know, if there are no fans or limited fans in the stands? Yeah, this is the million-dollar question in the offseason. Generally speaking, home field advantage is, again, not equal for all teams. But historically, if you look in the 90s, the early 2000s, across the board is worth about three points. Well, since then, it's trending down to about two and a half. What I think has changed is teams are now smarter about traveling. Just like you used to be able to just blindly – fade teams coming from like the West coast to the East coast, not really a thing anymore. The markets obviously also price that in, but teams are just becoming a lot smarter about travel. The travel accommodations are better. So I think that that's part of it. It's, it's going down across the board. Even last year. I mean, if you look at home teams, we talked about this all, all year. I mean, they were horrible against the spread. They only won about like 51% of the games overall. Uh, but over the last three, four years, it's like 54%. Historically, it was like 58%. So it's definitely going down. So it's, if you assume around two and a half points, what I think this year, you have, to, you have to figure out this year, right, there's still travel. There's still familiarity with your, with your settings and your routine. So there's still going to be a home field advantage. But how much was the crowd worth? It's a really good question. It, so one of the arguments is it's harder to run the ball if you are a road team. Offensive line can't hear the snap count. They don't get off the ball as much. If you look at the stats, like EPA, it's true. But if you look at false start stats, it's not true. So there's a lot of mystery there and how much it's actually worth. You also have the ref bias, right? It's only natural for a ref, and it's going to be maybe one big call a game. That could be a field goal here, a field goal there, lead to a scoring drive. Take, you know, it's just natural for a ref to – call PI for the home team's way, swallow their whistle. The crowd is booing because you call it a hold. Maybe you don't call the hold again. Refs are also getting better. This is one of the reasons home field is decreasing because of – there's also replay. The NFL is trying to hold refs more accountable. That's one of the reasons that home field is starting to diminish as well. So I personally think it's like one and a half across the board. Some a lot will say 1.75 is what it's going to be worth this year. But then you have to throw in how difficult is it going to be to travel with all these restrictions, what you're worried about with testing, that's – so maybe it's not as drastic of a drop-off as I originally thought. There's, you know, there's obviously weather, too, that's going to play a role. There's altitude in Denver. So there's still these one-offs. But, you know, playing in Kansas City or Baltimore or Seattle without fans is going to be a lot easier for an opposing team, especially if you're Jared Goff. Uh, so I have it around at one and a half points as a baseline with it being a one-point drop. But there's a lot to consider and a lot we're going to learn in the first couple of weeks. Do you think the books are going to kind of institute that, uh, that similar number? Like, do you think they're going to go to like two or you think they're going to keep it standard until we get more data? Yeah, I think that they're going to be around two is from what I've seen. Now, when lines first came out, I tweeted out, look, hit the, the Dolphins over seven. There was a couple other games. They hit the Cardinals over 10, the Browns over 10. These games that were over key numbers, that's where it's really going to matter. Because if it's the difference between nine and nine, you know, eight and a half and nine and a half, whether you have home field right or wrong, you know, it does still matter, but it doesn't matter as much if it's the difference between nine and a half and ten and a half. So around the key numbers, having home field advantage right, that's where it's going to really matter. I think the biggest implication, so I think the books might be a little high on home field early on, but it's the market has corrected itself a little bit. Good stuff there. A parlay of division winners for the NFC. I'd go with Seattle plus 225. Their win total is nine and a half. 
uh, in Tampa Bay at plus 160, that would be a $745 payout on a $100 bet. So you win $845 uh, if that parlay hits. And the reason I like Seattle combined with Tampa Bay is I think San Francisco got a little bit worse. Seattle's always in the conversation with Russell Wilson. And in Tampa Bay, you now have a team with a quarterback that can compete with Drew Brees and Tom Brady. And you have a defense that was top five in DVOA. Both of these teams have win totals of nine and a half. So the Vegas models are still projecting them. And, and as am I, as you know, some of the better teams in the league, certainly capable of winning their division. So uh, that would be the parlay that I would go with. Uh, if you really want to kind of get crazy, you want to throw in a third team or you want to replace either Seattle or Tampa Bay, maybe you're not feeling it. Think about Chicago at plus 425 because, Stuck, you hit it earlier. This NFC North, there's not really a standout anymore. The Packers went 13-3 and last year, but as we both know, they they were a little bit lucky. I believe their Pythagorean win total was 9.5 or something like that. So they grossly overachieved, may have gotten worse in the offseason, at least for the for the current, for, for not for the future, but maybe for the current. Minnesota – probably got worse losing their offensive coordinator, losing Stephon Diggs, and losing some key pieces in the secondary. So Chicago, 20-12 and 12 under Matt Nagy, even with the disaster they had last year, 8-8. Eight and eight. At least now they got two quarterbacks that they can kind of go back and forth if one is, if one is messing up. So uh, if you want to get crazy, throw in Chicago at plus 425, and all of a sudden you're talking about uh, over a grand uh, payout on a, on a $100 bet. Bears, so many voices in the ear of whoever's going to be quarterback. Another offensive coordinator, new quarterbacks coach, new passing game coordinator. Nagy calling the play. I mean, it's just a mess. And the defense, they've lost so many good defensive backs over the last couple of years. That has to catch up to them. Packers 9-1 and one in one possession games last year. We know how well they ran. I don't know if they can stop the run still. The Packers are going to be, they have Aaron Rodgers still around at 8-9 win team. If they get lucky, they'll win a little more. If they don't, they'll win a little bit less. The Seahawks, the enigma of the NFL, what were they, 10-2 in one possession games, 2-0 and in overtime? Offensive line is a mess. What's going on with Dunbar corner and his criminal cases? I don't know. The defense has many questions. But it's Russell Wilson, and he's just going to find a way to win one possession game. So I don't know. They're hard to, it's a hard team to read. They're going to run the ball in the first half, and they're going to try to win 27-23 in the fourth quarter with Wilson, and he does it a lot. 49ers – very complete team. You know, some questions with Debo Samuel come back from injury because that receiver doesn't matter who's running the ball there. Offensive line had tons of injuries last year. They're pretty much all back. Defense is all intact. Maybe interior D line's a question, but this team should be really good again. Them and the Saints. Saints, great offensive line. Can Joris Jenkins fill out that CB2 role for a whole year? That's a question I have. But other than that, 49ers and Saints, very, you can be confident without injury that they're going to make the playoffs. Vikings, look, how do you replace Diggs to their corner, new cornerbacks? Is it an upgrade from the corners who were kind of falling off a cliff? A lot of questions with Minnesota, just like the entire NFC North. Uh, and then the Bucks, I haven't mentioned yet. Look, a lot of upside with the Bucks. Can Brady stay healthy in the first year of that offense? And what is his decline going to look like? With tons of talent at receiver, some consistency at offensive line. That defense went from like 32nd to top five unit last year. A lot of upside with the Bucks. Really intriguing team. Uh, in an intriguing division. All right, so I got a couple more teams that I want to hit uh, and just ask your quick thoughts on in terms of their win totals, teams that we didn't really touch on in any other segment. So let's get into the best of the rest. 
Let's start with the New York Giants. Their win total is six. Daniel Jones starting the year at quarterback. Let's hear it for Danny Dimes. It's my city. I'm the king of New York. At quarterback for the first time in a long time over Eli Manning, who is, of course, retired. Any thoughts on uh, which way to lean with the total at six for the Giants? Win total six, I make it 5.6, so lean under. The biggest question for me is the offensive line. I mean, the Nate Solder contract is just so bad, but who the hell is their, their center? I don't know. A fourth-round guard out of Oregon, maybe? Spencer Pulley? Uh, it's a huge issue. They have a, a rookie tackle that needs to come in and dominate. Uh, the defense, maybe their, their corners. They got Bradbury, Baker. He improved at the end of last year, but just lots of questions on the defense outside the defensive line. New coaching staff, so it's tough to – to see the Giants really going over six, five division games in six weeks, weeks five through 10. That's what's really going to make or break their season. Uh, I'd lean under, but pass for me. Yeah, they might be a team you bet the over on. I think the offense will be better, but uh, the defense to me looks just as bad. How about the Dallas Cowboys? A lot of hype around the Dallas Cowboys. Um, none of us decided to choose their win total either way over or under for nine and a half. Thoughts on uh, that number for Dallas? Yeah, I make this personally, the win total is 10. I make it a tad over 10. Um, obviously, I'm lower on the Eagles than the market, and that was one of my win totals, and they play them twice, so obviously that helps. Um, you know, the big question here is, you know, new defensive coordinator, new head coach, coaching changes, how is that going to play out? Center, I think one of the big things in the NFL, one of the big trends you're going to see is elite pressure up the middle to disrupt offenses. And if you don't have a good center, it's really hard to compensate for that. So who is going to come in and replace Travis Frederick? Otherwise, the offensive line looks solid. They obviously add C.D. Lamb. The offense could be electric. Center is my biggest question. Defense, I hope Mike Nolan doesn't go to a 3-4 front. He's a 3-4 guy. He's ruined defenses before going to 4-3. Excuse me, going 3-4. But this is a 4-3 defense. This is what they're – they have a four-man front. It all comes down to the cornerbacks, right? Can Diggs come in and be a, a – cornerback uh, one they're they're really young their cornerbacks are really young so that's what I really want to watch ceiling is high if center works out and cornerback just such an important position um, and Mike Nolan doesn't ruin the defense but I, it, it's right around 10 for me yeah and you could get it at nine and a half at, at DraftKings Sportsbook so definitely shop around for the best line that's something I should have mentioned yep. off the top it's advisable to have accounts in at least two sports books you know Stuck and I generally have a, a bunch but at least two just so you can uh, get a get the best line at times. There will be some differences there. Uh, but let's close it out with the Arizona Cardinals. Seven. That, to me, that number looks about right. You know, I do want to be on the positive side of Kyler Murray and the Kyler Murray hype. And uh, I think Hopkins helps. I think Isaiah Simmons helps, at least long-term. They need to cover tight ends better. That was a huge weakness of their defense. But this is just a tough division. It's hard to beat Seattle once, much less twice. It's hard to beat... The Niners, it's going to be hard to beat the Niners once, much less twice. And even the Rams, you know, the, the Rams are a team that took advantage of Arizona with that, with those tight end weaknesses. So uh, just a tough division for me. So I, I probably stay away from this, but, but any thoughts, Doug? The Cardinals, I make projection, the win total seven, I make like seven, two, seven, three. The defense needs to get a lot better, especially up the middle. You know, offensive line, you bring a lot back. They're going to play four wide receivers a ton. They're going to be effective running the ball out of there. Kyler Murray should take another step forward. It's a 7-9, and 8-8 eight eight team to me, but with upside with Kyler Murray, it, 
I don't see any value either way, but it's an intriguing team for sure. If you want to look at a team, you know, an eight and eight team that gets in the playoffs, look for a future, a seven, nine, nine and seven with a quarterback, which you need to win the Super Bowl capable, the Cardinals might be your, you know, your Browns or Broncos of the NFC. Yeah, I will say this because you're kind of alluding to it. This is a team, I wouldn't bet the win total. I think seven, uh, which you can get at DraftKings Sportsbook, you're seeing seven and a half at some spots stuck. I would say that's right about, uh, right about spot on, but there's no fourth place team in terms of the odds to win the division that I think is more likely to actually win the division than the Cardinals. You can get them at plus 750 uh, to win the NFC North, which is you know, last place among those four teams because it's a tough division, but certainly not out of the question. If the Rams regress, as you know, you kind of expect Stucky, the Niners regress, as I expect, and Seattle kind of hovers right around that, you know, just above average nine-win team. Maybe Arizona wins nine as well, and they have a tiebreaker or something. Who knows? But uh, I would bet the Arizona Cardinals with upside bets. Uh, look at them to make the playoffs, plus 255 at DraftKings Sportsbooks. Uh, that is a, an intriguing bet uh, for the reason Stucky laid out. And even Kyra Murray to win MVP. 28 to one. I, I usually say with quarterbacks, I like to start getting into that, you know, 32 to one or, or better because usually it's always a quarterback. So if I can get, you know, essentially even odds for one of the quarterbacks in the league to win, I look at it. So 28 to one for one of the, I would say most likely quarterbacks in the league to win that award, uh, still pretty good value. So that's how I would bet uh, the Cardinals look for those upside bets. Uh, that was a great point stuck. Uh, but we are going to wrap it up here. Hope you enjoyed this NFC preview episode. Again, the AFC episode was released last week. You can check it out on the Action Network podcast channel. You can follow Stucky and I both in the Action Network app and on Twitter at the handles Stucky2 and Chris Raybon. And if you don't have the award-winning free Action Network app, be sure to download it because you can get all of our picks for all sports, as well as track your own bets, get live odds and scores, and in-game win probabilities. Don't forget to listen and download this podcast from Spotify and go leave us a rate and review on Apple Podcasts for a chance to win a free hat. And again, you can also call the Bad Beats Hotline 575-655-0664 if you don't have an Apple device and still want to enter into the contest. Just tell us what you think the Washington franchise should be renamed. Until next week, let's get this money. We're finished talking.